Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bloomberg Intelligence Tech Disruptors podcast. I'm Anurag Rana, Senior Software Analyst, and today we have a very special guest, G, who's the founder of Freshworks and co-founder and CEO. And we would love to learn more about his background, the company's background, how it all started. Thanks, Anurag, and hello, everyone. Thanks for having me here. So let me start by giving you a quick uh, overview of uh, what we do at Freshworks and then how it all started. So today at Freshworks, we help businesses engage better with their customers and their employees. Specifically, we help three groups of people, like people who are in customer service or sales and marketing folks or IT folks engage better with the customers or employees. And Freshworks started off in 2010 as Fresh Desk. The idea for a fresh help desk came from a personal life incident, a terrible customer service incident when I was moving from the U.S. to Chennai, India, my fancy LCD TV came broken and uh, multiple attempts to contact customer service failed uh, to get the resolution that they wanted. So I went online in 2010, early 2010, it complied online and the community started engaging and the president of the company came and apologized and the next day I got my uh, insurance claim process. So I think that's when I realized in 2010, there was an opportunity to build a fresh help desk which helps businesses listen to customer complaints, not just via phone and email, but also through online social channels. Uh, but we have evolved far beyond that today to offer a, a complete suite of CRM solutions across sales, marketing, customer support. But that's how Fresh Desk started. No, that's really good. And in fact, you know, one of the things that has enamored me is over the years, one would have expected this to be a saturated market with Salesforce and service now being around. So when I saw your growth rates, I was truly impressed with what you have done so far, especially for a company that came out of India. In, you know, historically, uh, and I've covered the services industry for over 20 years, and I've always associated a lot of the tech companies in India with services focused. And over here, you are I think for the first big unicorn out there be going public. Can you give me a little bit of, you know, a background of how that started and what does it mean for other Indian SaaS companies in the future? First, tell you about how we are different from all the other companies that you mentioned. Uh, uh, the typical enterprise SaaS software like uh, Salesforce or ServiceNow. So we all know that many companies that build software for the Fortune 500 at Freshworks, we like to think that we build software for the Fortune 5 million. Then this is something that really happened when we were starting. We realized that the original cloud promise was broken, like in the world of enterprise software. And Anurag, you know this uh, being in the industry for so long. So we have been dealing with on-premise software, enterprise software in, in the 90s, in the late 90s, that used to cost millions of dollars to buy, take years to implement and was expensive and clunky. And the cloud promise or the SaaS promise was, hey, it's all in the browser. You fire up your browser and your application will just work. But we are in 2022 today. And if you look at the state of enterprise software, it's still the same. Enterprise uh, software today still costs millions of dollars to buy, still is expensive and clunky and requires an army of consultants to go live. And, and that is what we do differently at Freshworks. What we realized is every business wants to be agile, but enterprise software is the enemy of agility, right? They're holding the employees back. And what we realized when we started in India, we had global customers from day one. Like when we had a handful of customers, they came from four different continents. 
Today, the revolution is called product-led growth. We didn't know that in, in 2011 when we launched the product, but users like frontline sales support users or sales users, they were coming online and evaluating the software that they would like to use as opposed to top-down software bite. So our software is bought as opposed to sold heavily. So, so that's what makes Freshworks different in terms of software that's designed to solve the pain of the frontline user. Software that offers inter, instant gratification. Like if you buy, if a company buys, or if a business buys Freshworks products today, they can go live in a few days or weeks, not like next year or, or 18 months later. And we have also priced it lower total cost of ownership so that it's affordable for companies of all sizes. We have more than 58,000 customers in more than 120 countries. And that's how we are uh, different. Your second part of the question was, what does it mean for Indian startups? I think we're fortunate to be, I, I call it the Roger Bannister moment in India SaaS, where we had the opportunity to be the first person to, like the first startup to be able to do this and watch it. But I think we have managed to inspire and show the playbook to a lot of other startups. And the, I believe that the next decade is going to be the golden decade for India as a product nation that's been our team for a long, long time. After all the good work that IT services companies have done, we are now seeing the next set of pro global product companies emerge from India, whether it's Browser Stack or Chargebee or Postman. You're seeing so many companies that are coming up and we are going to see a lot of really successful Indian product companies. So one of the things I just thought about was that, you know, you gave very good insight as to how you're different than both Salesforce and ServiceNow on the, on the enterprise customer side of you. Can you shed some light on how the product development happened? Is there a big difference in that schema as well? Only because I think you are a much younger company than all of the others. Is there some difference in the way the coding is done? So there is a lot of difference in the both product management, product design, product marketing philosophy. So the design philosophy has to change, right? And, and I'll give you an example, Anurag, before we uh, get into this, right? So let's think about two models. Like how is an SAP or an Oracle sold? It's sold top-down. It's it sold through the CXO. How did, like you at Bloomberg, how did you choose Zoom? Or, or like if you use Zoom, Zoom was not sold top-down. It, it enters the company bottom-up, right? Like we, we start using it for meetings. We see others using it. We like it. So, so I think that's the whole product-led growth revolution that we are going through right now, where users are demanding the software that they want to use, they like to use, that makes uh, them more productive. So typical enterprise software solves for the pain of the CXO. Uh, Freshworks and other product-led growth companies solve for the pain of the frontline users. So when users come online, so which means when you are building products, product management has to think about if I'm building a customer service product, I need to think about how can I make the life of a customer service agent who's on the phone or on uh, Twitter supporting a customer. How can I make their life better? How can I help them uh, like resolve a customer support incident? How can I hook up to other systems to process a refund or process a, a change in the order and, and so on? So solving for the user pain is one of the fundamental important changes in the product management thinking as opposed to solving for exact pain. The... Also, the, you have to understand that the whole customer acquisition model changes from a top-down sales to an online acquisition. So people visit your website. They have to be able to find the price of the product on the website because uh, you don't send your uh, salesperson to go and make a PowerPoint presentation. So they need to see the pricing on the website. They, they start a trial. So, so these are frontline folks who are evaluating the product and 
if they like it, they put their credit card and, and, and buy a subscription or they may go to their manager to request an approval for a budget and then they can come and buy it for their team. So, so it's a, the entire buying process has changed. And, and when they come to the website, they are a middle of the funnel lead as opposed to a, a top of the funnel lead where I have to establish the typical, do they have the budget? Do they have the authority? Do they have the need? All of that is bypassed. So by coming to our website, searching for uh, a customer service software or, or help desk software and starting a trial, they are self-qualifying. Users are self-qualifying. So everything that we do from product management to product marketing to product design, it has to fit into this new model for this new world where users are demanding the software that they want to use. You know, I had heard, uh, you know, a couple of companies a long time ago that embarked on this journey, but one of the complaints that they had was as they became slightly bigger in the enterprise, then somebody from IT would get involved and say, you know what, we need to do a whole audit, look at the cybersecurity controls and other things. Do you run into that? See, when you go after really large enterprises, that could become a problem. So the way what we operate at Freshworks, we actually, I say eternally that Hey, our UI UX is consumer grade, our enterprise, our tech is enterprise grade, but our go-to-market is SMB and mid-market. So what happens is most of the SMB customers, when I say SMB, it's, it's uh, companies with 100 employees or 250 employees and less. So they do not like a centralized buying process. And what happens in mid-market and larger companies is teams within these companies, there are many uh, larger companies where they're decentralized, where the teams have the authority to buy the software that they want. And we have the security. If, if there is a questioning from the IT department, we have all the uh, security in place uh, to talk to them about it. But um, it's, it's not a big, long sales cycle where we have to go through that, right? And also another important point uh, is larger companies have these customization and interoperability and integration needs that we solve through our Neo marketplace, which is, an entirely different new way of solving because traditionally you would hire the IT services companies and, and uh, uh, do a long professional services project. Now this is like, think of it as you take an iPhone. If you want something on an iPhone, you go to the app store and install an app. So today our Freshworks customers can actually, if they want an integration with uh, a, a third party tool or uh, they can actually go to the marketplace and install an app. So that enables rapid customization. So. In generally, what we say is we don't hunt for, like, we, we don't go after elephants. We go after deer and rabbits from a SAP market. No, that's a fair point. And in fact, I, again, I'm going to go back 20 years, the way the services industry started with very small projects. And over time, the size of the projects became big. So perhaps you could share some stories with me where a client has started off with, you know, buying very small, spending a few thousand dollars. And over time, that client has spent more and more money, which I, I guess in the, in, in the long run, I'm trying to get to the point of, you know, how your retention rates have been over time. And where do you think that's going to, you know, how, how do you manage that or how do you measure the performance of that product within an account? So we have several examples. We have customers today who are paying us more than a million dollars, but we did not land those customers as million dollar clients. So they started off with one team using ours in one department, and then like they started adding more products and uh, adding more teams. A good example would be Klarna, which is a fintech company in Europe. It was a unicorn. They started off with like, I think hundred seats in one uh, product. And then today they are one of our larger customers 
over time, they've grown to multiple products and multiple teams using us, not just for email-based support, but also chat and bots and so on. So one other thing we see is companies that want to save money. Like in, like we saw this during COVID where there were companies that were impacted by uh, uh, the industries that were impacted by COVID, like American Express Global Business Travel. So they moved off an expensive enterprise uh, system, ITSM system, to fresh service product. And they saved more than a million dollars in that process of moving to us. So we see that. And the one way we measure this customer lifetime value is through net dollar retention. You could see, and we had published this during our IPO, that every cohort of customers that we have, since 2000, those customers are today contributing more than $100. Like somebody who, like our net dollar retention in the last quarter that we disclosed was 115. But if you look at over time, every cohort of customers since 2012 has consistently uh, grown over time. And, and so we see that uh, lifetime value of customers increase. So once you know, go out and install or somebody installs your software and starts using, are you taking market share away from the in-house grown applications? Or are you taking market share away from smaller vendors or larger vendors? Or what's the mix like in that case? So small correction, there's no install here. It's all with subscription SaaS. So nothing to install, right? So in, in terms of, I think we have a mix of all, all three. Like there are greenfield opportunities in many SMB customers, we are their first CRM or the first customer support helpers. In fresh service, for example, there's a lot of on-premise software or legacy tools that we replace. So we also have bake-offs against modern vendors or, where, or we replace in customer service, uh, we compete with Zendesk. And in CRM, we have one against Salesforce, Sales Cloud or Service Cloud. So we constantly see this. So in larger companies, the Greenfield opportunity in customer service could be our messaging and bots, which could be a greenfield opportunity, but a core ticketing system or customer service system could be a replacement of a non-prem system. So. so now moving to financials, one of the things that really impressed me a lot when I first looked at your financials was that you have very strong gross margins for a startup. You know, how do you, th how do you think that evolves over time, you know, just in the, in, in the nature of you know, the, the cost of development and other things. So we, we are very happy with the, with the efficiency of our business. And as you know, the gross margins are around 82, 83%. And if you look at the mix of that, whether it's COGS or R&D or G&A, we think we are at where we want to be long-term, maybe a, a, a few percentage point improvement could be done. But the majority of the improvements over time can come from improvements in our sales and marketing as we scale. And as you rightly said, for a company at our revenue scale, our gross margins are really high against uh, Western class peers. So we will continue to uh, make improvements in sense and marketing over the years uh, so that we can uh, drive towards uh, profitability. And we have already indicated to the uh, markets that uh, we expect to be uh, cash flow break-even by Q4 and then cash flow break-even moving forward also. Now, one of the things I was thinking about, and I, I, maybe I should know this, is do you host your own applications or do you use a public cloud provider to do it? And, you know, just curious on that. So we are predominantly on AWS. So we are AWS all in, but we also use a few public providers. So I think we use both Google Cloud and Azure in certain instances, but the bulk of our applications run on AWS public cloud. I remember a long time ago, Dropbox, I think, started off with AWS and in the end, they decided, you know, they're going to go in-house. 
you know, is is your thought process that maybe down the road you do take it in-house and it'll give you some scale or you think being on public cloud is a far better thing economically for you? So far, it's worked out really well because AWS also has been consistently bringing down their prices. And uh, see, at the end of the day, it looks at, if you look at our margins and uh, like we, we constantly look at how much of our revenue are we spending on infrastructure at AWS. And as long as we are able to maintain healthy margin, we are happy with uh, where we are, but we'll constantly look for areas to improve. And unless it becomes uh, prohibitively expensive, we don't see a reason to. So another thing I remember is, you know, when Salesforce started off as a company, it started off as more of an SMB company, then and then it had a very high churn rate, obviously, because of the, the presence amongst that small cohort and the cohort of smaller customers. But as they became bigger, they went more to enterprise. And then more importantly, they did a lot of acquisitions in different areas and became a multi-product company. Similarly, you know, ServiceNow is, is also going through that same journey. How do you envision, you know, let's say three to five years from now, do you see yourself with six or seven products or you're happy with the, 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 three, the three or the four core products that you have? If you look at our product strategy and vision five years out, so I want you to think of Freshworks as having two lines of business, a customer line of business and an employee line of business. So on the customer line of business, if you see what we have been doing, like we started off with customer service as the starting point. And in the world of customer service, we consolidated the multiple tools that businesses were using from email ticketing to cloud telephony, to chat and messaging and bots. So today, Freshdesk is one of the best omnichannel customer support uh, solutions out there. And when we moved from Freshdesk to introducing Fresh Sales and Fresh Marketer, we unveiled our vision of a unified customer record and the unified CR, like how the businesses of the future can have a unified CRM with the same underlying customer record, breaking down the silos of sales, marketing, and support. So that's our vision towards which we're driving. And longer term, we think on the employee side, a similar vision could play in uh, play out where today you have these silos of IT or HR teams, uh, multiple teams internally servicing the employee. So we think we can actually create an employee data platform over the long term, which helps business serve their employees better by really understanding the needs of the employee better. So, so that's our uh, product vision. So we don't necessarily need to add more products, but with our access to top talent pool in India and our multi-product strategy, we'll continue to innovate, but we'll innovate along these guardrails of helping every business delight their customers and delight their employees. Do you see that, you know, a company like yours, which is could dominate the Asian market, which I believe is still nascent, when it comes to cloud-based solutions? So we are global from day one. And currently our revenue mix is approximately 40%. Uh, US, 40% Europe and 20% rest of the world. So we are seeing the ability to grow everywhere. So, but Asia is definitely a very important market for us. India, like there's a lot of favorability for Freshworks as a brand, like Singapore, like our Asia Pacific. We definitely see a lot of attraction for that. We'll continue to grow in all markets. So let me change the subject and talk a little bit about when you think about the world of technology, what are some of the, the technology trends that really catch your attention, both maybe on a personal basis or uh, that you think eventually would be part of your product portfolio down the road? So one fascinating transformation that we've all been going through 
in the last say 10, 15 years, I'll tell you why, like the world of customer service itself, which all of us can relate to, like, let's see, I've been building customer service help desk since 2004. And, and at that time, the concept of a multi-channel customer service used to mean that it's a, a call center, telephony, email, uh, chat, maybe on the website and uh, contact us form on the website. And right? we have all seen that. When we started Freshworks in 2000, customer service moved from email and phone, but also adding new channels like Twitter and Facebook were uh, places where customers went for support. And, and we actually started off Freshdesk with that idea. But then we also saw the emergence of mobile app, like in-app support, like people wanted an SDK inside the app. We saw inside the web app, the chat support started. Telephony moved to cloud telephony, like everybody wanted to have take calls from anywhere rather than having a concept solution. What's happening today, fascinating move one more time, where support is moving. The customers want support on third-party messaging apps. Now, you know that in India, WhatsApp has become so dominant, entire businesses are running on WhatsApp. Like marketing offers are being sent on WhatsApp. Customer support is happening on WhatsApp. Sales conversations are happening on WhatsApp. Now, in the U.S., Apple Business Chat and text messaging is making a resurgence. There is Instagram support for certain of products which are being sold on Instagram and supported on Instagram Messenger. So I think uh, we are seeing the, the concept of multi-channel customer service constantly evolving. So today, we are living in a world where third-party messaging apps are taking dominance and businesses have started to really understand that they have to engage with customers on these conversational channels. So, so that is going to be the future. And, and we are really excited about that because at Freshworks, let's see, and, and think about the world that we are living today, the last three years post-COVID. Every business has to deal with a situation where customers are not walking into the store and employees are not walking into the office, but I still have to keep the business going and I have to serve the customers. So, and, and I think we have the opportunity at Freshworks to be relevant to both these groups. How do we help businesses engage with their customers on these conversational channels and also empower employees to be able to service these customers when they are not working from office, they're working through their own homes. That's a fair point. I mean, I personally have been using chat more than anything to interact with customer service. Uh, the one thing I would say is a lot of your products that you're offering, are you looking to embed more AI into it so that you have a lot less, you know, you, you could say involvement of a human being, you know, for your clients? How's that shaping up? Absolutely. We have our AI engine is called Freddy. So Freddy is like uh, Freshworks buddy, like the short form for Freshworks buddy. So our AI operates at multiple layers. At, at the customer service layer, today what we are seeing around is every business wants to automate level one support. And this is very important. We all know that in the days of telephony, like cloud, when you're calling a call center, the IVR automation saved businesses millions of dollars, right? When you can press one to know your balance or press two to make a payment and so on. When the world has moved to chat and messaging, businesses require the same level of automation because otherwise they have to solve for the millions of customer uh, support inquiries that are coming in. Solving it through human agents is going to be very expensive. So our AI ML at the customer service layer uh, helps automate customer service by helping customers get what they want. Like if you want to, let's say, know when your order is coming or you want to cancel an order, what process a refund. So we can help businesses automate a lot of these frequently requested operations. 
and then hand over gracefully to a human, like how you say press line to transfer to a human agent, like you can transfer to a live chat person if the bots are not able to solve for the complex support scenarios. On the employee engagement front, again, employees need uh, different things from businesses. So our AI layer operates as virtual assistants or virtual agents residing on Slack or Microsoft Teams where employees can just have a chat conversation and then the bots can actually get employees the information that they need. So we operate automation layer. And also for the managers, uh, we have kind of decision systems. Like for example, sales managers can see which deals can actually need to be followed up today by the sales people, which have a better property disclosure and so on. So we operate across multiple layers, uh, across the customer, the employee, the manager, helping uh, each group with the decision. Switching over to when you think of acquisition, What's your philosophy? Do you like to build things on your own? Do you like to buy them? Or, you know, you're agnostic about it. So we have organically built a lot of stuff. So our first preference uh, would be to, because we have invested in our Neo platform, which gives us the capability to build. And you can see in the last 10 years, the amount of products that we have launched, which are organically built, this is like far more than what you would see from a similar size company. So our access to talent pool in India is also a testament to that. But having said that, we are not against acquisition. So we have made more than 14 acquisitions in our history as a company, but these are more smaller startups where we have acquired for like the team or some piece of tuck-in technology which we could use in our products. So we do not have to acquire for revenue because we have a big market's our products, we have our products operating in three large markets and we can keep growing. So we don't need an acquisition to bring revenue growth, but we constantly keep our eyes open for opportunities that may come our way in adjacent areas, usually smaller companies which are tokens or for talent. And then, you know, I'm also curious about if you look out three to five years, who do you think you will you know, compete with the most in the market as you, as your, as your average customer size gets bigger, as your deal size gets bigger, who do you think you will, you know, bump into more? And at that time, what would be, you know, your ability to beat them, you know, given that a lot of the companies are the number one in your space or not in your space, but in the respective spaces are, have much, much larger capital base than you. We will continue to compete with the enterprise legacy enterprise SaaS vendors who have broken the cloud promise. Software takes years to implement and millions of dollars to buy. So I think that revolution of product-led growth where users wanting to buy software that offers them instant gratification will continue. So that will be our competition. Expensive enterprise software that uh, is going to be... So we, we want to fulfill the broken cloud promise. Ajit, this has been an absolute uh, pleasure and delight to listen to you. Any final words of wisdom uh, to our audience uh, about software, about, you know, any of the things that you care about? No, maybe I would just uh, like to tell the audience that this is going to be a fantastic opportunity to see a new generation of enterprise SaaS uh, companies coming out, especially with product-led growth, where users are demanding what kind of software they want to use. So every enterprise Every large company wants to be agile and simple like a small company and they're realizing that their enterprise software is holding them back and they're seeking out truly liberates them to be more agile. And I'm excited. We are operating in really large markets and uh, we 
thanks to the IPO last year, we are well capitalized with $1.2 billion in the back. And I'm excited. All of us at Freshman's are super excited about the opportunity in front of us to, to keep building a refreshing, uh, pun intended, uh, new kind of enterprise out. Oh, that's so good. Thanks so much for your time. And we look forward to having you again uh, on, on the channel. Thank you. Thanks for having me.